We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. It is bi-week Saturday, and you are listening to the silky smooth sounds of Paul Brettel and Jason Perrone on this bi-week Saturday. So normally, Paul, we're doing the injury update the day before a game, but with this being a bi-week, we're going to change it up a little bit and talk about well, we're going to deep dive into the defense. So we'll dive into the defense of the Packers and talk a little bit about their impact and what they've done. Uh, perfect timing because they're coming off of a victory in which the defense played a very pivotal role at the end of the game, keeping one of the best players in the league and Christian McCaffrey out of the end zone. Yours truly was in the house for that one. I was in the stadium in the Snow Bowl, which was cool. And uh, it was also good to see you. We had a chance to get together and catch up a little bit in Green Bay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, second time this year we've been able to hang out in Green Bay, so that's that's fantastic. And you got a heck of a game to go to a Packers win. And I mean, man, snow and Lambeau. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, and it wasn't in the forecast. So thank you, meteorologists, for not letting yeah. us know it was going to be snowing that day. It was actually, I you know, me being in the Phoenix locale, one of the things that I can I always look for is is there a West Coast game that I could go to. And I thought about going to the Chargers game because it's close, the weather's nice, and I went to the last Charger game in San Diego back in 2011, 
And it was a lot of fun because there were a ton of Packers fans. What deterred me was it's L.A., which isn't as exciting as San Diego. And and uh, it's a small stadium, and I just didn't know how the experience would be. And I, you know, it, I'm always going to pick Lambeau if I can go to Lambeau Field. Well, I made a heck of a decision. Could you imagine sitting through that Chargers game and that being the one and only regular season game that you go to? <laughs> yeah, that would have been a brutal one. I mean, from the start, it, I mean, it's one thing to lose. Obviously, we don't want to see that. That's no fun. But the way they lost, just coming out like a total dud, uh, probably about the worst way that you can watch a game. Yeah, feel bad for the fans that were in the house for that one, but in any event, we uh, we're at the we're at the Packers bye week. We're a little past the halfway point of the season. They're ten games in. The Packers are eight and two, and one of the big reasons why they're eight and two, obviously, is because of their defense. Now, the interesting thing about the defense is they started out hot. They weren't giving up a lot of points. The first two weeks, they were very stingy, and they had the look of what could be a really good defense in this NFL. They were they were doing well, keeping teams out of the end zone and um, playing the run, playing the pass very well, creating a lot of turnovers, and then everything kind of normalized a little bit. So at this point right now, statistically speaking, the Packers don't look great on paper, but they're still getting the job done. So I guess we'll start with the the first, and this is always an interesting one. The, the way that they rank defenses in the NFL is by total yards per game. And with the way the NFL is structured today, I don't know that that really should be the metric anymore because teams are passing the ball all over the field and it's an offensive NFL. So in yards per game right now, the Packers rank 28th. So if you you know you hear the Packers are ranked 28th overall in defense, well to me that's not really fair, but they're giving up 384.7 yards per game. I'll just I mean the the, the simple and easy question, Paul, is does that concern you? And knowing that this is the you know the cliche bend but don't break defense. Um, I guess I'm not terribly concerned. Obviously, we would want them to not give up those long drives or the big plays have been an issue particularly for them but they're holding our opponents to 20.5 points per game this season uh 12th best in the nfl and the big thing that they've done is they've gotten timely sacks um you know knocking them out of field goal range ending a drive or forcing a field goal or the big turnover when they've needed to um i guess i'm not sure how much you can rely on that moving forward versus a defense that just, you know, stops them to begin with. But the Packers also with Aaron Rodgers in this offense, they don't need a top defense in the league. You know, they just need it to, they just need a competent unit out there to be respectable, uh, especially with the offense this season with Aaron Jones and of course Rodgers and with LeFleur and his play calling and all that. So uh, obviously we want it to be better, but I guess at this point I'm not overly concerned with it with it on a one to 10 put me at a put me on a four and a half yeah I would say the same thing it's about how many points you're giving up and if you're winning games and you're eight and two it's hard to argue with what you're doing you know that you're giving up those chunk yards between the 20s and clamping down inside of the red zone then that's obviously fine you know at, at the end of the day if a team wins a championship do you care that they didn't have the prettiest defense on earth no I mean you just you get it done and from year to year what it takes to get it done, and the story is going to change. So I'm with you. I'm not too worried about that. But then if you break it down by by the, the both sides of the ball, so on the passing side of things, Packers are giving up tw- uh, 257.8 yards per game, which is 23rd. 
they've got, you know, uh, they're allowing a 62.8 completion percentage, which is 10th in the league. So that's that's actually not bad. You know, when you look at, at how well the quarterbacks are doing, and, I you know, I get there's a lot of things you could take into consideration there. You've got the quality of the quarterback that you're facing, the situation, um, you know, when you consider the fact that the Packers have obviously been been ahead in a lot of their games, their opponents have been throwing a lot. They're only giving up a 62.8% completion percentage. Not awful. But the secondary was an area where we kind of hoped that this team was going to improve. They brought in Adrian Amos as a uh, safety acquisition to replace HaHa Clinton Dix. And you've got rookie Darnell Savage, who was a first-round pick, expected to make a big impact, and he looked good in the preseason. Jair Alexander, you assume, making the second-year jump. He seemed primed to be a Pro Bowl player. Kevin King has been healthy this season. So, again, it you know to me, it's kind of a two-pronged story. It's They're not giving up points, and they're also taking the ball away. You know, they've got... Um, they're tied for fifth with nine interceptions. So that, that, to me, tells the story of the passing game right there is, you know, they clamp down when they need to, and... You know, even though they're not the all-world, you know, maybe not the 2009-2010 defense that was taking it away in bunches on the passing side of things, how are you feeling? Uh, good, and the, the the secondary has really benefited from that Packers defensive front. Uh, you know, nothing makes life difficult or more difficult for the quarterback and easier for the secondary is when he's under duress and having to force a throw or just throwing the ball away in general. So that's really helped uh, – with the secondary unit and their production and lack of completions allowed this season. But on the completions that they have allowed, I mentioned it earlier, it's been a lot of big plays. I think they lead the league in most plays of 40 yards or more given up this season. So that part needs to be cleaned up. And oftentimes it just, it looks like it's a blown assignment, which I guess in most cases that's what happens, but it's not so much, you know, it's far less Jair or Kevin King are getting beat. There's been miscommunications, particularly over the middle of the field on those crossing routes and assignments in that regard. So that's my biggest concern with the secondary, but the defensive front has helped them out uh, a lot this season. Well, with any defense, I think, and any any football team, the one thing that you see when you look at the elite players that the Packers have had over the years, Leroy Butler, Nick Collins, Charles Woodson, uh, you know, come to mind. Eugene Robinson way back in 96. Now I'm starting to dig back too far, probably for half of our audience. <laughs> but the thing that stands out or the one consistent thing there, too, is the football intelligence. And a lot of that football intelligence eliminates those communication mistakes because those guys know where to be. You don't see them out of place. You don't see them out of whack. Now, I will say there's been some miscommunications and some double moves have beaten this secondary this year for Green Bay, but I don't see nearly the, you know, bang your head against the wall type mistakes that we saw over the past two seasons. So my point is that with the bye week and a refocus right now, my hope is that these guys come in ready to roll. And the one thing that's going to get them over is that communication and making sure everybody is where they need to be. Uh, you know, and Jair nearly has an interception that if he hangs on to at the end of the Panthers game, probably seals it. I mean, he had a lot of green in front of him. I don't know if he would have taken it to the house, but he's got the speed. So the secondary to me is going to be one of the big keys 
in the rest of the season because as they start to get towards the end of the year, they've got a couple divisional games. They're going to face the Niners next week. They're going to face the Vikings in Minnesota. And they're going to start when they face playoff teams, hopefully. We assume that they're going to get into the playoffs. Those are all going to be good quarterbacks that can throw the ball. So to you, secondary, front, you know, do you have one that you think is more important than the other? Um, just because we're getting into the later months of the year, I'm going to go with the defense of the front, getting after the quarterback and stopping the run, uh, especially up here in the north and then playoff football, being able to stop the run. And we've seen what Mike Pettin, how successful he is and how good he is as a defensive coordinator when the defense is one-dimensional. Um, so I'm going to go with the defensive front as playing more of the imp- more integral important role as far as stopping offenses for the remainder of the season yeah obviously if you're getting pressure on the quarterback you're causing problems and we saw that happen to Kyle Allen last week with the Panthers he had a good game but that pressure really kind of forced a couple of mistakes that ended up being a big difference in it you know with the fumble and then the pick in the end zone you don't definitely don't want to throw picks in the end zone and Tremont gets his first interception and in the you know since he was with us the last time in Green Bay, but mm-hmm. you mentioned the pressure. So the Packers are tied for twelfth in sacks with twenty five. Out of those twenty five, Darius Smith and Preston Smith are account for eighteen and a half. So, I you know our our founder Andy Herman made a good point, and I think it was March twelfth when a lot of these guys were signed. That turned has turned out to be a very pivotal day for this season. When you think about the production that they've gotten from Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, uh, Adrian Amos had the big interception to beat the Bears in week one. He tips the ball up. Tremont picks it off this past week against Carolina. You know, that's to me, that's spending your money well. But obviously, you spend where you can affect the passer. And to your point, the Smith brothers are definitely doing that. 18 and a half sacks out of 25. That's, and, you know, they both have set career highs already. And they're young, you know. They're young players still. They're they're in their they're you know mid to, to getting into their late twenties. You know, the Packers could be primed to have a really good front for a while. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And on top of their eighteen and a half sacks, they have ninety five pressures according to Pro Football Focus. So a pressure is a sack, a quarterback hit, or hurrying the quarterback out of the pocket for a little bit of context context. All of last year, Nick Perry and Clay Matthews combined for forty three. So 10 games in, they've already doubled that amount, and we've seen what how much that's helped the defense. Yeah, and you can see the the impact that they have. It was kind of fun to watch them live and see what they both had going on, and, and I will tell you, Zadarius Smith gets a lot of attention from opposing offensive lines, but you can't focus too much on one or the other because they're both so good, and then as now he's getting towards the end of his, of his first season, I'm hoping Rashawn Gary can become more of a factor up front there. I'm not concerned, just real quick, I'm not concerned about Gary not having gaudy numbers or, or not having a ton of of you know rushing the passer or any of that kind of stuff. I know we talked about it while we were together this past week. Any concerns about Rashawn Gary? I mean, I think the plan is pretty clear with him, and I think the Packers are on a good, good path, and I think he'll be fine. No, I don't have any at all. They're using him sparingly, and they're putting him in positions to succeed. I mean, obviously all fans want to see their 12th overall pick make these huge plays week in and week out, but the Packers are in a luxury position. They don't have to. They can bring him along slowly because they have the Smiths and put him in positions to succeed, um, let him do what he's good at. And he's actually, I've seen him improve quite a bit in run defense as well. I think he's gotten a lot better in that aspect of the game. 
Yeah, uh, he sets he, he's setting the edge pretty well. So mm-hmm. you know, let it be what it is because he's he's being successful where they need him to. And again, you know, one thing you you got to be careful with too is a guy like that. His confidence, you said, putting him in possession position to succeed. You got to also take into consideration the psyche. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's a you know that that's a good luxury that the Packers have. Some people are really frustrated. They're like, well, you know, you could have spent your twelfth overall pick on a receiver or somebody who's making more of an impact right now. But I think. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Packers don't just want to make the playoffs this year, right? <laughs> yeah, and hindsight's 2020 as well. I mean, I can't imagine there's been. I would, don't get me wrong. I was pumped for the Smith signings. I did not see this kind of production happening. And who knows? Maybe if they this was what was expected and was going to happen, maybe they do spend that 12th pick on a different position other than edge rusher. But that's a little bit of you know. Now what we know, looking back at what could have been different, but I think he's doing fine. And one other guy who's doing fine as well is Kenny Clark. Uh, his numbers have been down, especially plays in the backfield. He's still making tackles, but he's double teamed all the time. He's the you know on that interior defensive line. He's the offensive line's number one focus in there. And before the Panther game, despite his numbers being down, Pro Football Focus still had him rated as the 24th best pass rusher this season. And then he goes out against Carolina and puts up 10 pressures. He was chasing Kyle Allen all day. So that's another guy that, yeah, the numbers aren't the same, but down production doesn't mean that he's not playing at a high level. Yeah, and I would almost say, too, everybody talks about Devontae Adams. If he's one-on-one against a defensive back, he's open. If Kenny Clark is one-on-one against an offensive line, he's getting back into the backfield. And it was cool. I mean, he was all over it, you know, in this game. And it was, when you're there in in person, you kind of want to, you have certain things you want to see. You want to see the usual things go well. You want to see the Smith brothers get sacks. You want to see Kenny Clark getting pressure. You want to see Jair picking off balls. All those things almost happened. And so that's that's a great thing. And, and I, you know, uh, Cheesehead TV founder Aaron Nagler joked that Kenny Clark read your tweets, everybody, over yeah. the past nine weeks, and True. he was pissed. So, I mean, if that's what it takes, that's great. But I don't think Kenny Clark needs any help getting motivated. He is looking to get no. paid, mm-hmm. and the Packers are, are hopefully going to get that done at some point before next season starts. And so, yeah, Clark has been great. And... Another guy that that uh, you could also say has has been a big uh, help and a big surprise is going back to the secondary is Kevin King. So Kevin mm-hmm. King has three interceptions this year. He's the only defensive back that has more than one pick, and now we're seeing what he can be when he's on the field every week because he hasn't yet missed any time. I don't know if it's just luck, whatever it be, but obviously you know he's he's a good thing to have. He had some struggles with uh, some coverage last week. So, I mean, he he did break up a couple of big passes. He had one kind of near the the Panthers' red zone that was big. So it was a timely play, even though he he struggled for part of the day. But Kevin King coming through, is this... I didn't really know much about King coming out of Washington. So is this what you would expect to see from King on the regular? Or do you think there might be a little bit of an anomaly here and and he might be having a little lightning-in-a-bottle season with all the, the... the success that he's had so far um no i think this is who he can be and um i agree with you as well i didn't see a ton of them out at washington but he still does have as good as he's been this season there still are the inconsistencies that are there so i still see that there's room for him to improve but as far as being cornerback to uh you know behind jair i think he's been excellent this season and 
you know, I, my expectations for him are that he maintains this level of play. And now that we've consistently seen him on the field, I hope Packer fans are able to recognize the talent that is there and that he can't that he is a difference maker on this defense. Right. Yeah, Kevin King's an important part of the deal. You know, one of the baffling things, I think one of the most disappointing things while we're deep diving into the defense uh, on defense this year has to be the Josh Jackson situation. You know, second-round pick last year has been a healthy scratch for a couple weeks. There was talks that he might get traded. The Packers didn't trade him. He hasn't played. He was a contributor, at least on special teams, a little bit last year. He was forced into action because King was hurt, and you didn't have, you know, you needed to put him out there. So what's your take on Josh Jackson and and his whole situation? Because to me, it's still baffling because we haven't heard anything about what the deal is. Yeah, it's 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 discouraging. You know, last year he led the team in penalties. He, you know, at Iowa they play predominantly zone coverage in the secondary. Mike Patton wants his uh, cornerbacks to play man. So it was a, it's been a tough transition for him. And then looking back at training camp, you're coming off your rookie season. You got a number of things to work on, and you miss what the first half of it at least with an injury. You know you're only going to get better by being on the field, whether you're Aaron Rodgers in practice or especially for a rookie, you need to be on the field getting reps and he hasn't had those and it's carried over to the regular season. He's fifth on the team amongst cornerbacks and total snaps and just ahead of Tony Brown who missed two or three games with an injury. And as you said, Jason, he's been a healthy scratch for two weeks. Uh, it's, it's discouraging. And honestly, the way it's going, I, it looks like he, you know, they'll have him back next year. Obviously, he'll get his shot in camp, but he could be one of those, you know, in parenthesis quotes here. I'm doing surprise cuts. Yeah, and I don't know how much of a surprise it would be at this point either. You know, I think you're right. They're smart to bring him back and hope maybe he can jumpstart himself. You know, and I, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it's his second year. I think they say by your third year, you generally know what a player is and is not going to be. So next year would be a pivotal one for for Josh Jackson. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that the Packers whiffed on a pick. Every mm -hmm. team does it, you know, before everybody gets up in arms and says, oh, they blew another pick. You know, everybody's so quick to criticize. You know, the Packers have done a lot of good things. Like you said, they signed Zadarius Smith. They signed Preston Smith, Amos. They they picked up Darnell Savage, who I think is ascending, is, is going to be a really good safety and, and a solid part of the defense. They got Jair plus another first last year, which turned into Darnell Savage. Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins. You know, that's the one thing I'm bummed that we're not talking about the offense. Yes. <laughs> and, and if we Give can just – phrase. Well, if we can digress for a second here, I was almost going to say, uh, you know, do we, even, do we even do like a defensive rookie of the year? But it's hard because they didn't really – depends who they draft and Rashawn mm -hmm. Gary and Darnell Savage. But, you know, the rookie of the year for the, this season is clearly Elton Jenkins. He has been fantastic. He is an absolute – watching him play, I watched him specifically, uh, you know, because I'm like, you know, the brick wall and all the hyperbole, but – nothing gets past that guy. He is so good. Yeah, he's a special player. I remember at training camp, um, I was up in the crow's nest, and that's where and just below is where the offensive linemen are doing the drills. And I was at the second day when the Texans were up for the scrimmage, and they were doing one-on-one uh, -on -one drills, Packers O-line, Texans D-line. And I can't remember who the player was for the Texans, but <laughs> Jenkins, one hit, knocked him on his butt. And a couple stats on Jenkins – 
349 pass blocking attempts this season, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits. And I saw uh, Ross Uglum drop this little nugget. Uh, of all the guards that have taken 500 snaps this season, Elton Jenkins is the only Only one one. to not give up a sack or quarterback hit. Unreal. Unreal. So you're going to have to forgive us for that two-minute diatribe there because that is worthy of of some praise. (laughs) Wow. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I don't know, man. If they get in a pinch, maybe he can play some D-line too. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) You never know. You never know. So... um, I mean that that's that's awesome and, and but I, I think you know getting back to the whole Josh Jackson thing it's uh it, the fortunate thing that they've had you know we mentioned there's six players that have one interception in addition to Kevin King so you've got Will Redman, Chanted Sullivan fortunately those guys have stepped up mm-hmm. with Josh Jackson out so you've got you've got guys that are able to get in there and play Tony Brown had an injury uh haven't seen him do much in the passing game this season. I think that might have had something to do with his health. You know, hopefully they've got their depth chart figured out and he doesn't have to necessarily be counted on as a huge integral piece if he's not ready. He did struggle at times in coverage last year, but they're getting, this is why this team is winning. They're getting production from the bottom of their depth chart. So if you look at, you know, on the defensive line, Tyler Lancaster the last two weeks, I think has been credited with either part of a sack or a, or a turnover right? Dean Lowry, like some of the role players, the back end of the secondary, the safeties. Now you've got Ibrahim Campbell back. And let's kind of talk about Campbell for a second here because he comes back off of Pup, gets in and plays a ton of snaps against the Panthers. He's familiar with Mike Pettin's defense from his time in Cleveland. I liked what I saw from him. And I think he's, you know, now that he's got his football legs under him, he really could be a good mitigator since Raven Green went out, did you see anything from Campbell that you really liked on Sunday or anything that stood out? Yeah, I've been a big fan of Campbell since that little three-game stretch last year uh, when he was with the Packers before his injury. You know, since his days at Northwestern, he's known as a, a physical player, a very good tackler, as we've seen, and he also can force fumbles, which we saw in his first game back. He stripped Christian McCaffrey. Um, so yeah, I think he gives them, and he's versatile. He's played, he can play out wide, free safety. They're going to mostly use him down in the box as that third safety. But I think in his return, having that, you know, he's a more physical player, a better tackler than Will Redman. And against Carolina, we saw that helping Blake Martinez. I believe I, if I saw the stat correctly, Martinez had four or five tackles within zero from the line of scrimmage to three yards I believe which is a season high and I think a lot of that you know that's freed him up knowing that he has Campbell there alongside of him so I was impressed and like I said I've been a fan of his yeah it's good to have him back and that's only going to give him more depth which is helpful you know for the defense to have that guy that that can roam the middle a little bit because Greg Olson you know the tight end who's in his 12th season I swear he's like 50 years old (laughs) you know still gashing the defense over the middle and those are things that you know teams scout and you know I know the Packers said they're going to self-scout one of the things I hope they're doing is is trying to get rid of the holes on the defense and that middle of the field has always seemed to be a big issue, but having Campbell yeah. out there I think is, is going to help. You mentioned Blake Martinez. We have to talk about Blake Martinez because he's a hot topic. Mm-hmm. So the, the opinions on Blake are going to vary. If you follow Twitter, then you don't like Blake Martinez because he's the worst player on earth and he never, you know, all he does is get empty sacks and empty, or not sacks, empty tackles, empty stats, and it's hollow and it doesn't matter and he's not impactful. Listen, uh, 
and Paul, same thing to you, you know, and maybe I'll start with you. What do you see as Blake Martinez's role, and is he getting his job done? Is the fact that he's leading the league in tackles meaningful? Is he a meaningful part of this Packers defense? Absolutely. He's the quarterback. Um, you know, he's the one making the play calls and adjusting everyone pre-snap if needed. Um, yeah, he has his limitations. He struggles in coverage, and yeah, we would like more tackles closer to the line of scrimmage, but the the difficult part in this for the Blake Martinez haters out there, what what's the alternative? It's not on the roster. Oren Brooks, isn't it? BJ Goodson's a nice, you know, run stopping linebacker, but he's more limited in coverage and moving around than Martinez is. So I was, uh, Ryan Wood of Packers news. He did an article on Martinez and an anonymous agent said Martinez could make eight to 10 million is kind of the range next season or per year on the open market. So I, I think I do think it's going to be a tough decision for the Packers because I, you know, that's getting up there for an inside linebacker, especially when you still have to extend Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, you know, Aaron Jones is going to be free agent in two years, Kevin King, you know, when you look at that. So I still think it's going to be a tough decision for him, but it goes back to what's the alternative. If they're going to let him walk, <laughs> that first round pick is going to have to be an inside linebacker. You know, Dylan Moses from Bama. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise free agency. But it's it's a tough spot that they're in. But one more thing. He does take too much flack. I just want to throw that out there. No, I think he does. And, that you know, this week did not help on Twitter. I saw way too many wide receiver prospect videos. Yeah. And I want a wide receiver in the first round. I'm putting it out there right now. I want the Packers to pick up a, a – I want to get – I definitely like that – the kid from Alabama, but you know, I mean, the Packers. For, hopefully, the Packers are picking too late to yes. get to get any of those guys. Thirty second would be good for me, Paul. How do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a small sacrifice to make. Just a just a tiny, just a tiny one. No, for sure. You know, and I, yeah, Martinez gets way too much flack, and then the comparisons to AJ Hawk, ridiculous. Um, AJ Hawk was a fifth overall pick, and he ended up being you know, over the course of his career, what Blake Martinez is right now. Blake Martinez is a fourth round pick. So if you Mm -hmm. talk about it in terms of perspective and value, Blake Martinez is doing pretty well. He's, he's the green dot. Like you said, he's the quarterback. Mm -hmm. So for your fourth rounder to be that he's a good teammate. He tries hard. He has his physical limitations, but again, if everybody missed it just a second ago, he was a fourth round pick. You know, you don't get a fourth-round pick to have a guy come in and be the second coming of, you know, Ray Lewis. It just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. So Blake is fine. The Packers have to make sure that he's not in a position to to be stuck out on an island. Now, what are opposing offenses going to do? They're going to try to match their fast guys up against Blake Martinez, and there's going to be times when because the offense, the weapons that other teams have are good. The Packers are going to have to, you know, they're going to sacrifice in some area. And at one point, at some point between now and the end of the season, Blake Martinez is going to get burned in coverage because the offense across from him schemed up well. They prepped and they did what we would want our offense to do against the other team's weaker coverage players, linebacker or, or secondary. So, I, yeah, I think I think Blake is fine. I think he'll be okay. You know, he's... He's still a big body there, and he can he can plug in. 
we're not seeing the big impact plays. You know, he had some sacks in the past couple seasons, and he was, you know, getting fired up and getting back there. I don't know if he's dealing with any kind of bumps and bruises or not. The bye week should hopefully help some of that out. Uh, the one thing you mentioned that I did want to ask your thoughts on, we talked about Josh Jackson and his lack of usage. Oren Burks. Oren Burks had really high hopes, and his athleticism pops, and there was a play in training camp where he picks off a ball in front of Aaron Jones. Yep. Uh, you know, he was on his way. I think the Packers were hoping that he would turn into what Blake Martinez was supposed to, so they didn't have to overpay Blake. If he was going to get a ton of money, they could let him go. Burks could take over. It's not happening. Oren Burks has not gotten out on the field. He's had an injury to start the season both years. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. You saw some of him in training camp. Uh, you know, training camp darlings are great, but if it doesn't translate to the regular fee- regular season, I don't know how much value there is to that. So what's the deal with Oren Burks as far as what you can see? Yeah, that play that you mentioned where he picked off in front of Aaron Jones, I was at that, and they were doing um, drills against the running backs. And, you know, he has the athleticism. He was hanging with Jones and Williams out of the backfield in coverage, but his issue is a run defense. He can't – he's – a bit smaller and once he's engaged by a blocker it's game over for him he's just a liability on run defense and I think that's a big reason he's been hasn't seen the field very much because you just can't you know you can't count on him to be out there and the Packers you know he's a third round pick the Packers traded up in the third round to get him as well so uh you know looking at you mentioned you're not going to hit on all your draft picks obviously but Jackson in the second round Burks in the third those two haven't panned out for sure yeah, I mean, I think there's still some time for Burks to maybe do something later this season. You know, the, this seems to be the year of the unsung hero and guys stepping up and doing things at times that where, where it's most important. And that that's kind of a good segue to a question, and I know we didn't really talk about this before the show, but to kind of put you on the spot, if you had to pick an unsung hero on this Packers defense this season, who are you going with? I'm going to go Tremont Williams. Uh, He's been the slot corner this season. That's been his primary job with King and Jair on the outside, and he's been fantastic. Um, He got his first interception, as we saw, but he's been very good there. And, you know, we haven't heard his name a lot, which is also a good thing when you're on defense for the most part. And I just think that he's someone that's been flying under the radar but has been playing at a very high level this season. Yeah, he has. I mean, that's that's a good pick there, too. Mine was going to be Kevin King, and and it's kind of unfair because – He's supposed to be a hero. He's a starter, but with his health issues the past couple seasons, there was questions about whether or not he was going to be able to produce, and he's done a lot more than I think a lot of us thought that he would. Picking off three balls, he could easily have another two or three mm-hmm. had he hung on to those passes. So, you know, to me, I think Kevin King's a good candidate there as an unsung hero. But, you know, when you look at guys like, I'm still hoping that we see more of Redmond, Shannon Sullivan, maybe Tony Brown getting a pick. You know, when those guys start producing and you can really rotate them in and out and no matter who's on the field, you've got an opportunity to take the ball away or do something special, That that's where you want to be as a defense. Even if these numbers don't look great and all these rankings are in the 20s and you want to see the Packers, oh, I wish they were a top 15 defense and all the talk in the, the offseason was, Can they be a top five? Can they be a top 10? They just need to be in the top 15. Well, it depends on what you're talking about. You know, 28th in total yards, 23rd passing yards, 25th in rushing yards per game. Okay, but they're eight and two. So, you know, that's that's the other thing too is uh, the running game. As the weather cools off and things get colder, 
Now, the running running game is going to become more important. So they're giving up 126.9 rushing yards per game. It seems like they kind of are who they are at this point. I don't know that they're going to just fix that and shore it up all of a sudden without sacrificing too much in other areas. But how concerned are you about the run defense moving forward as we get into this back half of the schedule? Uh, fairly, <laughs> to put it simply. Uh, you know, like you said, they're giving up 127 yards a game. To their credit, they did a fine job against Christian McCaffrey. I know he still put up like 140 total yards, but it's Christian McCaffrey. They I think he had a long run of 18. They limited the big play, so that was encouraging to see. He wasn't, uh, you know, uh, a huge factor, I guess is the word I'm looking for, despite putting up the yard total that he did. So it's encouraging moving forward, but it's it's been an issue this season. You know, you run the ball, opens up play action, opens up the passing game. The opposing team controls the clock, uh, keeps Aaron Rodgers on the bench. So I think, it, you know, based on what we've seen, it definitely needs to be improved. But like you said, we're 10 weeks in. This team is who they are. Their strengths are their strengths. Their weaknesses are their weaknesses. Yeah, I think it could become an issue if, if teams are hanging with the Packers and they stay close within one possession. That rush defense is going to become important because teams are going to still be able to run the ball try to keep the Packers' defense off balance, try to wear them out, tire them out a little bit. The conditioning is going to become important. This is the uh, the latest buy the Packers have ever had. And it's in a season where they're already healthy right now. And they, so, you know, the one thing is, is they needed this rest. They're getting this rest late in the season. And this is, this is a key for them to come back and rat- rattle off these next six games with, you know, a little bit of extra juice, hopefully in the tank. Maybe that helps them in the run defense. It's one of those things where you, you keep getting worn down, worn down, worn down. You know, you go through treatment every week. And by the time you start to feel good again, it's like Friday, two days later, you're getting beat up again on Sunday. So yep. this and late rest. This, I was going to say, I think this is the perfect team to play after a bye as well. Uh, you need all the extra time you can get to prepare for Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan and, and Nick Bosa and the, the 49ers defense who look pretty good on Thursday night football or Monday night football against the Seahawks, but they couldn't get it done in the end. Russell Wilson pulls a rabbit out of his hat, gets a big win on the road, hands this, the Niners their first loss. I think some of us were kind of hoping maybe Green Bay could do it, but the Niners get their first loss of the season. Any team is beatable, and I think the Packers I think the Packers defense could, could make life very difficult for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in next week's game. He, he threw some balls into coverage against the Seahawks. So, I mean, the, the pass what the Packers live and die by is, is getting turnovers, and I think they're going to have plenty of opportunities to do that next week. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be the key to the game. I think we're going to see a lot of running the ball from the Niners. So that run defense we were just talking about is going to have to step up and then do what they've done all season, put the quarterback under pressure, get some sacks, and capitalize on any mistakes he makes. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. So as far as defense goes, I mean, I guess the only the only thing left to do is is hand out our defensive MVP award so far through this season, and it's, I think it's a pretty easy and short conversation. So, Paul, I'll let you start off. Who's your defensive MVP for the Packers? I think it could easily go to either Smith, but I'll pick Zadarius. Uh, obviously, we've kind of highlighted his on-field, what he's done, nine sacks, I believe, uh, all the pressures that he's done. But I also want to throw in his off-the-field uh, the Packers just didn't need a rejuvenated roster with talent, which is what Gutekunst brought in. They needed a culture change. Things were a little bland at 1265 Lombardi Ave these last few years. And just the the excitement that he brings in, the 
the sack celebrations, you know, run into the end zone for the picture the whole defense does after a turnover, um, just things like that. And you can tell that they're having fun. Um, I know that I've read that they do a lot of team dinners, if not weekly, with the entire defense, which is something that they hadn't done or didn't have much success doing in years past. So just his on-field play, what he brings to the locker room off of it, the culture change. Uh, Zadarius Smith is my defensive MVP. Yeah, all those things are easy an easy choice there, and that's why I was thinking Preston. But I think I'm going to go with a tie. I'm going to give it to both Z and Preston. They both deserve it. They've, yep. you know, like I said, accounted for 18 and a half of those 25 sacks. That's a huge stat. That's just a massive ROI. You know, that's that's what you hope yeah. for when you you put that money out there. It's one of the reasons why Ted Thompson didn't like spending a lot of money on free agents because if they don't produce like that, then you have a hard time justifying paying all that money. And he wanted to develop a lot of his own guys. Well, this is this is the benefit of bringing in guys that know what they're doing and can immediately make an impact. And they have definitely done that so far for the Packers. So defensively, you know, I think I think the arrow has still got a chance to point up a little bit. I think they'll be okay. I think they're in good shape. Mm-hmm moving moving into this last half of the schedule and they do have a couple games where I think they can they can get after the opposing offense. They still play Washington. They play Detroit again. Matt Stafford seems like I don't know if he's going to come back and play at all. So that week 17 game if it's pivotal at all could end up being a more favorable matchup for Green Bay. They do play in Minnesota. We know too. we know about the Niners. They've got the Giants, but that's a road game. You never know how that's going to go. So a lot of a lot of different things can happen with it, but the defense I think is in pretty good shape, you know, overall with with some of the stuff that we've talked about here, and it's been a good conversation. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do the rest of this year, and what some of these numbers are going to look like once the season is over with. So as always, you can find Paul's great work over at Dairyland Express. He does some great stuff talking about the Packers, Brewers, Bucks. You can find my work over at Cheesehead TV. And I guess, Paul, the next time we chat, it will be, I think it's the Giants game. Yes, it is. It's going to be December already. That's crazy. So I guess I should wish you a happy Thanksgiving now. Yes, you as well. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Once again, everybody, this has been the Pack a Day podcast. As always, go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.